This is Xane Anderson. Welcome to the Principal Podcast today. Today, I am super thrilled to have Danny Brussel on our podcast today. And let me just tell you about a little bit about him. He's a highly sought after speaker, trainer, coach. Dr. Danny Brussel has spoken to over 3,000 audiences worldwide and authored 16 books, including his latest, Leadership Begins with Motivation. And he's the co-founder of thereadinghabit.com the world's top reading engagement program. And I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today. Thanks for being here with us, Danny. Thanks so much for having me, Xane. More importantly, thanks for all that you do. You're really spreading joy. And uh, I love your podcast because you have such a great array of uh, guests. I'm always learning. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things that I'm excited to ask you about, you know, Reading is such an important thing for for children, and especially as we're raising children and families. Can you tell us a little bit about how important it is for for parents to help their kids learn to read? Oh, absolutely, Xane. Thank you for that. I mean, it's ironic. I'm considered America's leading reading ambassador because I grew up hating reading. My father was a librarian, and I always hated the public library growing up. It always smelled funny to me. There was always uncomfortable furniture. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There's always some freaky homeless guy hanging out by the bookshelves who thinks he's a vampire. And it wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city where I saw a lot of the students that I taught didn't have the advantages I had growing up. I mean, um, we were lower middle class exane, but we always had food on the table. Both of my parents were in the home and my parents read to us in front of us and provided plenty of reading materials to us kids. And I realized, wow, this is really important to make sure that uh, kids have important uh, opportunities to reading. And this is where parents come in. I mean, when I'm doing live parent seminars, I always point out these numbers, 24, 7, 365, 8,760. There are 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year equals 8,760 hours in a year. 65181080. There are six hours of instructional time in a typical school day, five days a week, 180 days a year equals 1,080 hours of instructional time in a typical school year. Now subtract 1,080 from 8,760 and you get 7,680 hours the child is with the parent, not the teacher. Who do you think is more important? I mean, I always say this to parents, uh, uh, no matter what I do with your kid, you are seven times more important than me. Have you ever seen the movie Jerry Maguire? You know, uh, help me help you. If he doesn't learn how to read, he's spending the rest of his life living with you, not with me. We need to be on the same team. And so I I love working with parents because Xane, I think schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read. I want them to choose to do it on their own because they love it. And so really what I do, Xane, is I help parents uh, figure out some easy tricks that they can use, strategies at home to make uh, reading a, a fun, lifelong habit for their kids. I love that. And just touching on something you said, you said, you know, parents are about, what, seven times, eight times, six times at least more important um, then the school, and, you know, I was talking to somebody who had gone to Harvard and he said, 
you know, the best outcomes happen with kids when the parents act like they're the CEOs of their kids' education. In other words, that's a great we're not just, just going to send our kids off to school and hope. We're going to say, you know what? If my kids get a good education, it's up to me, not necessarily the system or the school. So how? Let, let me ask you this: Why why don't people read more? Well, I, I have all kinds of different theories about that. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things I point out to parents is four out of five struggling and reluctant readers are boys. Boys and girls are very different. Little girls will read books about little boys. Little boys don't like reading books about little girls. Uh, I mean, there's obviously exceptions. Uh, one of my favorite books, I love the series, the Diary of the Wimpy Kids series by Jeff Kinney. I, I don't remember which of the books it is, but there's one where the mother decides she's going to have a mother-son book club for all the neighborhood boys. And so she encourages all the boys to bring books to the, the mother-son book club. And uh, the mother, Greg Hefley's mother, she's brought like Sarah Plain and Tall, Little House on the Prairie, Little Women. And the boys have brought like How to Cheat at Video Games, The Dinosaur Book, the book of bodily functions. And I'm like, well, there you go. I mean, and this is an important point I want all the parents out there to listen to right now. Our research is very clear on this. It doesn't matter what you read. What matters is how much you read. It doesn't matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach. People who read more read better. You know, uh, a tip I give parents is the little boy who only reads Captain Underpants is going to become a better reader than a little boy who refuses to read anything. Captain Underpants is the gateway drug to Shakespeare, but we got to get the kid excited about it. And so the long answer to your short question is I think the reason a lot of people don't read is they don't see the value of reading. The reason they don't see the value is they were never asked what they wanted to read. And so a tip for parents out there is find out what your kid's interested in. I always tell parents and teachers the best ones are always eavesdropping. If you hear your kid talking about NASCAR, give them some NASCAR books. If they're talking about uh, J-Lo, get a, a biography of Jennifer Lopez. Uh, you know, I, I, it's amazing. I was with a third grade teacher, Exane, um, and she told me, uh, oh, Mario won't read anything. I'm like, oh, I'll get Mario reading within an hour. I was wrong, Exane. It actually only took me 20 minutes. And the book I handed Mario, Exane, Mario memorized the first chapter by the next week. The book I handed Mario was called Just Disgusting by Andy Griffiths, not the Sheriff of Mayberry. This is an Australian author. He wrote uh, The Day My Butt Went Psycho. And the first chapter in Just Disgusting is the 101 Most Disgusting Things. Now, I can't remember all of them, but I can remember some of them. So it's like, uh, number 12, dog poop. Number 13, stepping in dog poop. Number 14, trying to wipe the dog poop off your shoe and getting it on your fingers. Number 15, eating a hot dog that tastes like dog poop. Number 16, realizing the hot dog tastes like dog poop because you forgot to wash your hands. I mean, that's how you get a little boy excited about reading. Don't get me wrong, saying I... I think Little Women is a wonderful book, but if you want a little boy to read that book, you better put diarrhea or vomit in the title. That's how you get, you know, and so again, it's a very long answer, but I really think that interest drives reading. And if you really want to create a lifelong habit, you find that, you know, I have friends that uh, 
have graduated from Ivy League schools that love to brag that that was the last time they opened a book. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. I also have friends that didn't graduate high school that are reading voraciously all the time. I'm like, well, that's a lifelong learner. And you got you just got to read whatever you want to read. I mean, uh, I love biographies. I love personal development. I'm reading tons of biographies all the time and personal development books, also with plenty of fiction involved because I I'm just a big reader now. Um, you got to figure out what you're into. I mean, I, I have a friend and all he wants to do is read the sports page. I'm like, that's a great idea. Read the sports page. I was with a uh, when I was teaching second grade, I had a little boy, Kiara. And Kiara's first grade teacher told me, Kiara don't know nothing. I'm like, well, thank you for that. Well, Kiara, who didn't know anything, comes into my classroom one day, saying, and he's like, hey, Mr. Bussell, you see Barkley last night? He had 18 points and 16 boards. I'm like, thank you, Kiara. Because from that point forward, every day after lunch, I'd sit Kiara on my lap and we'd read the LA Times sports page together. And wouldn't you know, Xane? He was one of my best readers by the end of the year, and all that kid read about was sports. Now, do I think other types of reading are important? Yes, and I think this is one of our jobs as teachers and as parents. Uh, I'm constantly reading aloud to my kids. I, I want them to be exposed to poetry, and so I read aloud poetry. I, I read aloud uh, uh, interesting uh, news articles that I come across, uh, you know, uh, my kids are actually better at technical reading than me. I mean, uh, here I am a PhD and most of my clocks still have 12 o'clock flashing on them. And my kids are smarter about how to read the instructions on how to operate these things. And so there's all kinds of different types of reading. And that's another thing I'd really like the audience to know is that reading doesn't have to be a 900 page Russian novel. I mean, reading can be, uh, you know, something you just read on a, on a, um, on your iPad, uh, on a, a, a news article, or it can be a, a People magazine while you're waiting to go in to see the doctor. There's lots of different types of reading, and and I don't like to uh, discriminate and say one is better than another. Uh, wow, great insight. <laughs> Backing up a little bit, I bet you that boy that you were talking to about the poop book, I bet you, was he laughing the entire time? I mean, of what course. Was and guess what? The, the other great thing about that X-Tane is all of a sudden you start showing it to all of his other buddies. And now all of those boys are interested in reading. And that's usually one of the best ways to get interested in reading. I know, like, I love talking to you, X-Tane. We talked before the broadcast and, you know, we're, we're feeling each other out, trying to figure out what we're interested in. And I'm like, well, that's one of the ways I make friends is I find out what you're interested in and I recommend different things to read. And I, I think that's one of the best ways to become an avid reader is to, to create a posse of uh, like-minded individuals and uh, share your experiences with what you're reading. I love that. So if, if parents want to have their kids read, listen, eavesdrop listen to what their interests are and find some books that appeal to them and also their age range. And, and if it's a little boy, maybe a book about vomit or poop is, is appropriate. And, and it getting, now let me ask you a question for parents who may not be sold on this. You know, it's important to have my kids learn to read. Can you tell us like what the relationship is between reading and success? I mean, if I want to have my kids be successful in life or be leaders in life, what, what's that relationship? How, what, what role does reading play? That's a great question, Xane. I mean, I, there's plenty of readers that don't necessarily become effective leaders, but I have never read a biography about an effective leader that was not also 
an avid reader and it doesn't matter what field you're talking about. I mean, you can read uh, uh, about great military leaders like uh, General Patton and General Schwarzkopf who were avid readers. I mean, General Schwarzkopf, they say, could read in four languages and quote Shakespeare voraciously. Uh, you look at uh, politicians, uh, President uh, Teddy Roosevelt was said to read three books a day while he was president. Uh, uh, president Clinton, uh, when he was having uh, crises in the White House, uh, he said he'd calm down by reading uh, a good little mystery novel. Uh, a lot of people forget this, but when uh, President Kennedy was president, he was at a press conference and somebody, one of the reporters asked him what he was reading. And he said, oh, I'm reading this really cool spy novel about, it's by Ian Fleming. It's about this guy named James Bond. That statement got Hollywood to buy the rights to the James Bond books. And that's why the James Bond movies were made. Uh, business people, uh, you look at Elon Musk and Warren Buffett, two of the richest people on the planet. And they spend all their days reading like, I mean, Warren Buffett reads voraciously. Elon Musk has said, even though he's running three companies or four companies, he still reads at least one book a day. Uh, even in, uh, you know, you look in the entertainment industry, uh, even dyslexics like Tom Cruise and Sylvester Stallone and Whoopi Goldberg, they all read all the time or they listen to audible books. And that's a great tip for all the people out there right now is uh, uh, I work with a lot of dyslexic students. A lot of people don't know this, but over half of the Fortune 500 CEOs are dyslexics. Well, dyslexic, first of all, all reading disabilities are curable. And so if you have a reading disability, I urge you, uh, go seek help and, and find a, a fun way to, to become a better reader. Uh, but dyslexics, uh, they really process things very well with their ears. And so dyslexics in particular, uh, audible books are a godsend. Uh, you know, and there's plenty of research that shows reading aloud to kids is the single best way to improve their reading. Um, you can look at even like sports, athletes, uh, the football coach Bill Belichick is considered to have uh, the largest library of football books on the planet. Uh, LeBron James, the basketball player, in his first NBA finals uh, with the Miami Heat, uh, I could have kissed him because they showed him in the locker room before the game and he was reading The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. And I was like, wow, that photo just did more to get kids excited about reading than anything I'll be able to do. And so, again, the long winded point uh, to all the parents out there is really if you want you if you want to to reach higher echelons in life, the, the quickest way to do that is to to read. I really, really appreciate this. This isn't this isn't a small minor thing. However, it doesn't mean you have to take your entire day and change and it may be just reading aloud to your child as much as 15, 20 minutes a day. Now, you had in a conversation we had previous to this, you were telling me what an average student reads who's getting an F yeah. after school versus an average student. And maybe you could could you elaborate that? How much Absolutely. reading are people doing after school and how does that correlate with their success in school? I'm going to bring you on the road with me, Xane. You're asking the best questions. Uh, so my entire reading program, I have the world's top reading engagement program online. It's called thereadinghabit.com. And basically the two numbers that I'm stressing to parents, because basically in just over two months, I get parents to get their kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. I mean, it's great that the kids on average boost their reading ability by two to three grade levels. That's all fine and good. But what's near and dear to my heart is that these kids now, they they seek reading as a, as a pleasure activity. And so the two numbers I always point out to parents 
are 67 and 20. So a lot of people will tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. And to those people, I say, well, show me the research on that. It's a completely fabricated number. I know exactly where the number comes from, by the way. It comes from a wonderful book written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics. Now, in the preface of the book, Dr. Maltz, who was a plastic surgeon, he said he noticed it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new faces. Well, a lot of self-help gurus, personal development experts, a lot of people that you and I respect, by the way, they started telling people it takes 21 days to change a habit. And that number is completely fabricated. It's based on observation, not on research. So uh, in 2009, the University of London did a habit formation study, and they determined it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit. And the average was 66 days. Now, I don't like the number 66. And so I threw in a bonus day, 67, 67 days to change a habit. And it depends on the type of habit you're trying to change. So, for example, if you want to start drinking a glass of water before breakfast, that might take 18 days to make that into a habit. But if you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days. And here's why this is crucial for the audience to listen to this. Let's say you go on a diet, you follow it religiously for 21 days, but then on day 22, you fall off the wagon. Well, you blame yourself, and that's absurd because research shows it takes at least 67 days on average for you to form that habit. So that's the first number I point out to parents. And what you were alluding to is the second number, 20. This is an important one. So researchers were looking at successful students around the world, and they were trying to determine common characteristics, and they stumbled upon a common characteristic that just floored them. It was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. And so they looked at the low students, the average students, and the high students. The kids in the 20th percentile, near the bottom of the class, your F students, your failing students, they averaged less than a minute a day of reading outside of school. Well, wow, that didn't surprise anybody. That's probably why the kids are at the bottom of the class. But this number did startle the researchers, the kids in the middle of the class, the 70th percentile, your C students, your average students, they average 9.6 minutes a day reading outside of school. And so when I'm doing a live training with parents, I'm saying this is when the entire room gets really quiet and the first hand raises and a parent says, wait a sec, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day at home, I can take him from an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying. There is a lot of research to support this, but the next number floored ten, everybody. Ten, 10 minutes from an F to C. But the next number floored everybody even more. The kids at the 90th percentile, A minus students, near the top of the class, do they spend three hours a day outside of school reading for fun? No. Do they spend one hour a day outside of school reading for fun? No. The average was just over 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. And here's the two things that I want parents to understand. First of all, the numbers don't, the, the minutes don't have to be consecutive. So you can do three minutes here, five minutes there. And second of all, and I alluded to this earlier, being read aloud to is just as effective as reading on your own. So I, I tell parents, if it takes you 10 minutes each way to drive your kid to and from school, put in an audio book, you just covered your 20 minutes going back and forth to school. It's a really easy strategy and it's an effective strategy. And there's a lot of research to support this. Uh, you know, I have little tricks. I'll give you a couple of strategies I use with my own kids. And I, I think they'll be helpful to the listeners out there. First of all, uh, a lot of parents will tell me they have nothing to read at home. 
I've always taught in the inner city in some pretty low economic areas and parents will complain, oh, I don't have the money for, for any reading materials at home. I'm like, oh, but you do have something that, that you can read. I know it. Uh, President Bush Sr. 30 years ago in the United States signed a very important law that said every television set in America has to have closed captioning. So the first strategy I always tell parents is turn on the closed captioning on the TV. And parents will say, well, wait a sec, if the show is in English and the subtitles are in English, what good does that do? I'm like, well, that's a fair point, but let me make a point. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the closed captioning? That's very difficult to do. Your brain is directed towards that text. There's actually research to support this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every single country in the world, except for one. The country that watches the most TV also has the highest reading scores in the world. It's Finland. And people always ask, well, how can that be? I'm like, well, Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they have to do is they have to import all these old sitcoms from America, like Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island. And they translate them into Finnish. The kids are reading Finnish all the time on the screen. It's an easy strategy any parent can incorporate, turn on the closed captioning on the television. Also, I mean, I have three children of my own. And I believe television's here to stay. And I, I've never believed in resisting technology. I embrace technology and figure out ways to use it to my advantage. And so even when the kids were very young, they're all teenagers now, but when they were very young, I set the rule in our house that the kids can watch TV anytime they want, but the price of admission is they have to bring me something to read before we turn on the TV. And so when the kids were little, they'd bring me a picture book. We'd read the picture book together. Then they'd turn on the TV. Now they're teenagers. And so they'll bring me like their iPad and some news article and we'll read that together. And that's how we do it. One third tip uh, that I, I give to parents is, uh, you know, really the beauty of my program is at the end of the 67 days, I always tell the parents, my, hey, spend 67 days. I know your kid's reading more. I know they're reading better. And most importantly, they love reading. But I didn't tell you this at the beginning of the program. Here's what I just did for you. I just gave you 20 minutes every single day, one-on-one -on -one with your kid. How many of us would not have died to have had that kind of individual attention from one of our parents growing up? I just gave you the gift of time. And a lot of people forget how important you know, uh, you know, as a parent, you're the most important role model your child will ever have. The kids are watching you all the time, you know, so with my I have three children and my wife. And so we have different books, all of us that we're reading. And so my uh, my oldest daughter, she's into this fantasy series called uh, Shadows and Fog. And so we're reading that fantasy series together. My my son, he loves the Civil War, and so we're we're reading uh, Michael Shiraz's uh, *The Killer Angels* about the Battle of, Battle of Gettysburg. It's one of the best books I've ever read. He loves that book. And then uh, my youngest daughter, for some reason, she likes literature. Uh, we just re read *The Ga Great Gatsby* together, which I hate that book. I've always hated that book, but uh, now that I read it with my daughter, I'm like, oh, I, I can at least appreciate the uh, the beautiful. Uh, uh, language that F. Scott Fitzgerald, he's just a beautiful writer. I don't like the story. Uh, and then my wife, uh, she she enjoys the uh, the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. And so we read those in bed together. But this is this is how you can connect with people. This is how I connect with people all the time is we'll read. I mean, I have a buddy 
who's a, a big football fan. And so I just gave him a copy of um, uh, Peter Richmond's Badasses about the uh, the Oakland Raiders in the 1970s. It's a terrific book. Uh, you know, I have another friend and uh, he's really into uh, um, marketing for his business. And so I just gave him a couple of sales books that he appreciated. And so this is the power that we have as parents and being able to uh, get our kids not just excited about reading, but more curious about the world that they live in. I love that. And one of the things that really hit me as you said this, you know, for parents who are concerned and saying, wow, you know what, my kids are struggling in school. I wish they could do better. It might be something as simple you're saying as you know what, before we watch TV, I just want you to bring me a book. That's the new rule, right? And spending some quality time just reading. So there's really no downside to this. I get to spend some quality time with my child. My child very likely will, if I do it for consistently for some time, at least 67 days, maybe longer, maybe, um, can show market improvement because I'm, I'm teaching this basic skill that is going to I mean, it's associated, it's correlated with all kinds of success later on. And um, really, really appreciate your insights on that, Just, especially for, for the parents who didn't hear that. One minute, the difference between one minute a day and 20 minutes a day, the research was showing us the difference between an F and an A minus. Is that right? And so, and so doing that, you know, I got to tell you, some one of the things that occurred to me, and a lot of our viewers here may be religious, some may not be. I, you know, I grew up in a home where my dad actually had us read uh, scriptures in the morning. And so we were, that was the first thing we did every morning was read something that was, you know, hopefully teaching values and, and ethical things. And, I, and I'm actually really grateful that my father did this because um, I think it, it got your mind thinking right in the beginning of the day. Well, I don't think he was thinking, hey, I'm going to have successful kids, but I really do think in the, in the long run, it helped a lot of my, you know, I have a sibling who, who went to Harvard and Ivy League, have some other siblings who've done quite well in some things. And I think that base of just getting up in the morning and reading for 20 minutes was something that he, he may not have realized, but completely helped uh, my siblings uh, and our family, you know. I love that point, Xane. I mean, and I think it's a it's a wonderful habit to establish. Uh, I was watching this horrible show on TV the other night called uh, The News, and it put me in a really foul <laughs> mood. And I think uh, really one of the, the strategies I try to teach people is uh, you are what you read, so read good stuff. So stop stop filling your mind with all the garbage. They say garbage in, garbage out. I'm like, that's not true. Garbage in, garbage stays. You start to see the world in a very negative way. Start reading something inspirational. And uh, if you're a person of faith, read uh, read read the Bible or, or whatever your book is. I mean, I'm 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 not one of these Christians that uh, is so good at remembering everything in the Bible. And so I, earlier I was telling you, I like to embrace technology. And a lot of people think the bane of existence today are cell phones and social media. Well, I agree on social media. I think social media is a waste of time. It's a lot of people griping about their problems and uh, discontent with society. But the cell phone itself when used properly, is a wonderful teaching tool. And so one of the things that I do with my cell phone is uh, all these people that could quote scripture always impress me. And so I've been doing that lately. So every morning at 818, I have an alert because I'm trying to memorize Deuteronomy 818, which is uh, <laughs> remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Okay, I got it. 
Um, when I read the book Dune by Frank Herbert, there's a great uh, uh, monologue that uh, Paul Atreides has called the litany against fear. And so every day at 9-11, I have an alert to memorize the litany against fear, which is I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over and through me. And when it has passed, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Uh, When it is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Okay, so I've been memorizing that. Um, at, uh, 4.04 every day, I have an alert because, uh, I always love the St. Crispian's Day speech from Henry V. It's very long. And so every day at 4.04, I'm going through this 50 lines of Shakespeare to try and memorize that. Um, I do other things too, like at 10.30 every day, I have an alert to send an inspirational text to my kids. And so I send each of them something positive or, or maybe a motivational quote. Uh, I got married on December 20th. And so every day, every day at 12.20, I have an alert to, to uh, send a text to my wife to tell her I love her. So when used properly, a cell phone can be a great tool to really build in those positive habits. And I, I loved what you were saying with, you know, starting off your day with uh, reading something positive like the Bible um, and end your day that way as well. I mean, uh, the world moves pretty fast. And what I love, uh, there's a great Spanish proverb, which is uh, how lovely it is to do nothing and then rest afterward. And I always tell people, there's nothing wrong with spending a really lazy afternoon behind a really good book. I love that. One of the other things that impressed me, you know, I was reading some literature about habits and how one of the best ways to make a new habit is to stack it onto some other habit that you're already doing. So, you know, when you're talking, one of the things you said that really impressed me is when you said, you know, you can watch TV, but before we watch TV, you got to bring me something that we can read together because I'm trying to get that maybe 20 minutes in so I can help my kids have have success later. Um, anything else you'd add to that about how to, to help people develop this habit of reading with their kids? And I know we talked about that a little bit. Is there any other ideas that you have on that that would help people? Yeah, uh, that's an easy one, Exane. Uh, uh, I mean, I... We, I love that you were talking about habit stacking because that is true. That's really one of the best ways to to create the habit is take something that you're already doing and stack the new habit onto it. And so my kids brush their teeth every single morning. And so I put post-it notes on their bathroom mirror every day of uh, some famous quote by some famous person they have to read. The, so they're, they're brushing their teeth. They got nothing else to do. So they're sitting there and they're always looking at the quote. Um, there's a great website uh, by the Screen Actors Guild called, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, gee, I'm going to forget. You'll, you can put it in the show note. Oh, storyline, <laughs> storylineonline.net, storylineonline.net. I, I haven't gone, gone to it for a while because when the kids were little, what it's great about is they get all these uh Uh, famous entertainers and they read aloud uh, award-winning books and every read aloud is about 10 to 15 minutes and so when the kids were little and I was uh, making their lunches while they ate breakfast I'd open up my laptop and they would watch one of these people read aloud a book to them every single morning so we're getting minutes in that way and every single read aloud is also closed captioned so the kids were saying the words at the same time and these things work. We try to overcomplicate way too many things in, in education. Um, when I do parent trainings, one of the first questions parents ask me is, well, what can I do to help my kid? <laughs> I always laugh and say, the fact that you're here already tells me 80% of what I need to know. 
we can work on the other 20%, but the people that really need me are the people that aren't reaching out. You know, the people that are listening to this podcast right now, like saying, they're not the people that need all the help. They're the people that are concerned and their kids are going to do fine. I know that. Uh, it's the people that aren't, uh, you know, they're sitting there uh, griping on Twitter and uh, watching uh, uh, the housewives of uh, whatever place. And I'm like, you, you know, you're wasting quality time that you could be actually having a positive impact on your child right well gosh so grateful that you could be on this is such good insights i really appreciate especially this point about you know instead of resisting technology use it to your advantage you can send a little text that your your kids can read inspirational things to memorize um what what great ideas thank you xane and as a as a uh, a gift for you and your listeners uh, for bearing with me and listening to me. I wanted to give everybody a couple of goodies. So if you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, again, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to give everybody a complimentary e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. This is a book I wrote for a school principal who was having trouble keeping his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation, demonstrates the same concept. You read that in five minutes. And then I'm also going to give everybody access to last summer as a promo for my online reading engagement program. I did a five-day reading challenge online for about 700 parents where every day for a week, I'll, I'll give you an hour's worth of strategies of things that any of us can simply implement at home. Uh, so again, that's at freegiftfromdanny.com. And I just really appreciate the opportunity to join you today, Xane. Thank you. Yes, we'll put those in the show notes for anybody who can't remember. But yeah, freegiftfromdanny.com. Any other way that they can get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? No, I'm sure they'll be on my email list for the rest of their lives on that one. But uh, if you go to uh, dannybrussell.com, my last name's really easy to remember how to spell. It's spelled like bras cell. No, I never took any grief over that as a child. If you go to dannybrussell.com, that gives you more ideas. Uh, I, I speak all over the world, and I also coach entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to uh uh, build up their business through public speaking. That's at dannybrussell.com. Thanks for thanks for that, Xane. I appreciate that. Yeah, Danny, it's a great honor to have you on here. Thank you for the tips. Uh, feel free to reach out to Danny. and We're grateful that you were on the show. Thanks so much, Danny. Take care. God bless. I am so jealous of my wife because she gets the ultimate career. She gets to train and nurture and love our children more than I get to because I have to be doing things like this podcast. Parenting's the ultimate career. If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review. Thank you for listening. You can also check out my book, What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die. It's available on Amazon and other bookstores. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>